Hello, and welcome to Making Problems to Solve, the podcast about curiosity, creativity, and problem solving. I'm Dave, and today I'm talking to Logan Needham. Uh, I primarily uh, think of you as a metal worker uh, from what you share on Instagram. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good, thanks. So, is, uh, would metal worker be a good description? Or? Um, I think maybe, yeah. It's funny, because when people ask me what I do, Mm-hmm. I assume they're asking like what my job is, right? And and I always have a really hard time answering it because I do a lot of stuff that's not just metal work. Like, yeah, okay. I weld pretty much every day for a living, but that's not my that's not how I identify. <laughs> I'm not a welder. Okay, yeah, I would not call myself right. a welder. Um, <laughs> I know this feels like a cheap out to your question, but I would call myself a maker, right? Um. And I have forever for years and years. And then I've found this whole community of other people who call themselves makers. And it's kind of uh, felt right. And so I still do that. It's just now I feel like people might think I'm trying to jump on a bandwagon. But it's just kind of how I've identified for a long time is I just I really like to make stuff. I like to design and think, create and make new things. And okay. Don't really that's care great. how that's done. Like we don't want no, to yeah. And I mean, I guess okay. if... Uh... If you wanted to define your job in a more traditional sense, you might say you're like a fabricator then. Yeah. You know, so my, my actual job like that I you know, pay taxes on and I guess I pay taxes on everything, but my <laughs> like main everyday is a, I'm metal fabricator. So we do um, mostly metal. I mean, we work with wood sometimes too, but we make all kinds of really cool stuff like railings and doors and staircases uh tables i mean really literally anything you want um pretty much out of metal we can make i mean signs light fixtures lighting mirrors frames i mean all i you name it i've probably made it or at least close to it <clears throat> and so that's what i do and i work with um it's actually my next door neighbor and shops at his house has this beautiful old barn from the 40s that is massive and uh oh it's two stories it's insane and the downstairs is a shop and it's wonderful it's totally wonderful it's like a dream place to be i just like being there <laughs> that's great I like what i do and it's me and him and we get each other and we vibe great and we just make really cool stuff for that's a, you know, it's an amazing, you know, opportunity and just, you're real lucky to have, you know, your next door neighbor also is into, oh, you know, so just making things and solving problems and has the, you know, it's resources available. So, all right. So I used to like to try to figure out, um, how did you, how did you get there? So it sounds like, you know, you've been making things, uh, pretty much your whole life. Does that sound right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, do you remember kind of like any early history was your family uh always making things creative in the same way or uh kind of we were always encouraged to solve problems creatively i guess um i i'm the middle of three brothers and my parents were they still are just really enthusiastic and excited about kind of everything there. My mom, current, she's a, she's been a nurse my whole life. So she's currently working as a nurse, but even 
in the midst of that, she was a chemistry teacher and um, taught at a private school and did all this other stuff. My dad was like an entrepreneur when in the 80s when I was born. He uh, started like software company or like basically software company, not really software. They were like designing computers from the scratch, from scratch. Like, okay, he was drawing ICs with like taping out things and they were etching boards in our basement like crazy amazing like, it was cutting edge at the time and and really amazing stuff um but and so now i didn't go down that road per se but like that uh that spirit i think they gave to all of us of like you can do stuff you can do anything just do it you know it's not always going to be easy but you can do it so I guess that, okay, yeah. I don't know if that totally answers your question, but my, my parents have always encouraged it or like allowed us to make mistakes and learn from them. That's, um, that's a great opportunity that you had. And, but I mean, it sounds like, yeah, your parents, like you said, they're enthusiastic and excited about everything. And uh, I think that definitely rubs off on you and, you know, any, so basically anything you were interested in, they encouraged you to, you know, learn more about it and totally try it. Yeah. And I did crazy stuff. Yeah. We did dumb stuff. I did crazy stuff with my parents. I would, right. <laughs> a lot of crazy stuff without them, more crazy without them. But one time my dad had a, a, a hydrogen tank, like a tank of hydrogen. That was a big, one of those big five foot tanks. And I don't yeah. remember why we had it, but we had it. And one night my mom was gone and my older brother was gone. It was just me, my little brother, and my dad. And we, I was asking questions about this hydrogen tank. It's like we had done like, you know, you fill up a sandwich bag with hydrogen and you, you light it on fire and it goes, it makes a real loud boom and it's very orange and it's really cool. And we were talking mm -hmm. about like, well, you know, pure hydrogen in the bag doesn't burn very well because it ha has to mix with oxygen to burn. And so it burns from the outside in. Right. And, um, so it's not really an explosion. It's a really fast burn is what it is when it's pure hydrogen. Right. He's like, well, but if mm -hmm. you mix hydrogen with oxygen, oxygen the oxygen for the combustion is is mixed in with the gas and then you get an actual explosion and it goes really fast and it's a real explosion and so somehow uh we ended up outside on our front lawn at like 9 30 at night with a dry cleaning bag those like bags that go over your clothes are really lightweight super super thin but lightweight mm -hmm. like taped off the end of it and filled it with two parts hydrogen and one part oxygen from an oxyacetylene tank or uh, mm -hmm. setup. So we had like a yeah. perfect explosive mixture in there, or close to perfect. We were just guessing. And we like taped fuses that were 20 years old to the bottom of this thing. And then they weren't, we weren't, we were afraid it was going to uh, go off too soon. We were pretty scared. And so we taped sparklers to that. And we like, it was super super hokey but we set this thing up it floats right so we like let it go light it and let it go in our front yard at 9 30 at night and it just went and went and went and went and this bag was you know four feet in diameter at the ground four and a half feet and it just went kept going we thought maybe it had gone out and it was like the size of my thumbnail at arm's length it was way yeah, wow out there and we saw the flash you know way before we heard it you see this flash and then boom this just like test something insane boom and car alarms went off on the street we ran inside we were i was like 12 you know we were just terrified yeah 
Uh, my little brother was crying, thought we were going to go to jail. My dad throws the <laughs> tank of oh hydrogen my. in my mom's minivan to hide it. We all go inside. And then, like, you know, we look peering out the window and porch lights are coming on down the street and people are like coming out and looking. And my dad goes out and plays dumb, like, oh, what was that? Right. You know, and what happened? People are giving their speculations. Pretty soon, cops showed up and they're like, there's a big field in front of our house. They're like out there with flashlights searching. I don't know what they thought they were searching for. We just kept our mouths shut. <laughs> mm-hmm. And th- I mean, that's the, the, that is, that was not like, not like we did that all the time, but that kind of thing isn't unheard of in my life growing up. So that kind of like upbringing of, Hey, let's try it. This, this could be cool. Let's try to be safe about mm-hmm. it. That wasn't that safe, but whatever. Uh, yeah. And then let's learn something from it and let's have fun while we do it. And so I've always kind of, like to live my life that way try to make my kids live life that way too sure yeah so basically there were you were curious about something and you know your dad was like okay let's see what happens you know let's yeah let's you know, try it and not just it's educational opportunity you know totally and he's a brilliant brilliant guy so he I mean, he knew what was going on he had control right but mm-hmm. i don't know it was just it, instead of just like well it's not like I'm not saying don't read, just read about things, but he could have said, let's just read about it. You know, we had an encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. Let's go learn about combustion. Right. But we, we learned about it and then also did hands-on and the hands-on is yeah. part of my, like, right. my favorite thing. Yeah. And maybe there's other experiments that you could do that probably were smaller scale, all oh, this, 100%, but yeah. that's what you had at that time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And nowadays my parents, they're old now, you know, but they do, um, we're, we homeschool our children and um, we're part of a community. So there's like a bunch of families that get together every week and all this stuff. And w- uh, years ago when we started doing this, my wife was the director of our community and we started, we call it, we just called it Needham Science Days. And both my parents would come and whatever subject they were studying, they would take a whole day and it was usually like a Friday or Sunday that the kids had off and they would do all kinds of awesome hands-on experiments. I mean, they're, in fact, they still do it. They're, one coming up next is like uh anatomy and so i mean they're gonna have eyeballs to dissect and chicken feet to see how tendons work and the at last time they had like lungs deer lungs that they blew up and like all the like real actual cool anatomy stuff that the kids get to touch see and learn about and it just drives home that learning in such an amazing way i just i don't know i just love it well it sounds great um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I wish I could try that. Um, yeah, dude, it, you know, it and I think great. it's for the kids, but I really like going because I, I get oh, it. of course, yeah, I, I'm sure. I most of the people that you know I talk to, if they're call themselves a maker, that they would definitely want to do that stuff. Yeah, that's great. I hope <laughs> it wouldn't matter. Yeah, if, between the, if they're between four or forty or eighty, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah, because you, curiosity doesn't disappear if you, you know, if you nurture it, it's uh, that just is, gets greater. <laughs> Absolutely. And you should nurture it. Yeah. That's like, yep. I think, I think people, yeah. So, often so yeah. So you, you said you homeschool your kids. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like whether, I don't know if you were homeschooled, but it sounds like you had a similar, you know, <laughs> at least you had home opportunities for learning. Yeah. I was homeschooled a little bit. Um, I was homeschooled. I kind of had that back and forth. I went up to fourth grade and then I did fourth and fifth in public school. Mm-hmm. And then I was back homeschooled again until high school. And then I did two years, the first two years of high school at a public, regular public high school, which was pretty stupid. 
And then, I mean, like I didn't really learn much. It was a terrible waste of time. And then my last two years, I went to um, a magnet high school here at at the um, community college, which was fantastic because then I I got to take college courses and get high school credit for them and kind of give me a jump start in in college stuff. You know, the kids, the people that were going to school, all of a sudden they were there on purpose instead of because they're, you know, public high school. I was like, kids were there because their mommy makes them be there or they'll get, yeah you know, tickets for not being there or whatever. And then sure. you go to college and it's like, oh man, everybody cares about this. And most people are paying to be here. And like right. <laughs> this really, and that was such a cool difference for me. So anyway, that was my, that was kind of my like schooling. So I got a little bit School of both. experience. Yeah. So you had a little bit of a, uh, everything you can yeah. uh, exploration. Um, yeah. So you usually ask about like shop class and stuff, but it sounds like you probably, didn't have a lot of shop classes in uh, and I, formal I always, school. Yeah, I was always jealous of people who did. My older brother did more. He he was in public school more than I was, and he did have like a shop class and stuff like that. And I was always really jealous of that. I still am, honestly. Like, I kind of wish I had gotten to touch a lathe before I was thirty. You know, like right. Th- there's just stuff that I'm not. I don't necessarily feel like I fully missed out on, but it's like, man, I wish I knew about this sooner in my life because yes such a game changer for me so I, i'm right trying to expose my kids to that stuff so as mm-hmm. best i can but hard of course yeah um right i mean that's basically that's kind of the premise of the show kind of <laughs> to understand like because you know again i did have some some of a shop class and we had a wood you know we did like wood we did some metal we did a bunch of different things we worked with like polyester resin which middle school kids cool. should not be using um, <laughs> cause, um, and you know, we did, you know, mold, we did had, they had molds and we made, you know, oh, yeah. little objects from the molds and stuff. Um, and we did, they had an injection molding machine, which is kind of neat, yeah. um, to see how sure. that worked, you know? Um, and you know, that's where I got first experience with the bandsaw. And then basically whatever, 30 years later, I bought a bandsaw. Like, so even though I had yeah. access to those tools, it wasn't, there was no connection to like anything in the outside world right yeah just like oh this is another class um you know and we did sewing and cooking and stuff too and i mean again we did sewing and the only reason why you know my mom had a sewing machine so we had a sewing machine home my dad actually taught me how to sew like hand sew things and you know but still even then my parents really didn't give me that much exposure to sewing so i didn't ever try to do it so yeah and that's crazy. So, so, I never thought about yeah. it as like having that, um, like a disconnect between school and life mm-hmm. that they, yeah. that they could remain separate in your mind like that. But it makes sense when you say it. Cause I did, right. I did all that stuff. I cooked, I sewed, mm-hmm. I, you know, I got to do a, a lot of stuff, but I did it at home and right. I don't know. I never had that disconnect maybe because I wasn't at school. I don't know. Yeah. So that's the thing. It's like, you, you don't, you know, especially I went to school mostly in the eighties, um, some in the, you know, elementary school in the seventies. So, so there was obviously that was when there was this huge focus on switching people over to everybody goes to college. Right. So, yeah. And as far as I knew, there wasn't any way to go to college and, you know, work with tools or anything. Um, mm. you know, those are the people who work with tools are the people who didn't Brought go to college or whatever, you yeah. know, for whatever yeah, reason. Yeah. 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 You know, and there was, you know, there was, again, my experience, which is interesting too, because, you know, 
everything I learned about tools and stuff, I learned from my dad. We fixed everything at our house. Um, mm-hmm. My uncle, you know, we would go and he had better tools. We would work on cars and stuff there. But I still never thought, oh, yeah, this is like a job. You know, I was yeah. just like, oh, you know, if something breaks in your house, you got to fix it. <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, so, yes, yeah, so I had a. I, Sorry, I, I think Bye. I had a similar, like, I know, I, I remember being a kid th- and, you know, people are always like, what do you want to do when you grow up or whatever? And my heart always wanted to say, I want to be an artist. And I would say that mm-hmm. sometimes. But then, like, the the realist part of me knew that that wasn't a, I'm using air quotes, knew that wasn't a job. And so I would, like, kind of back that up with, oh, well, I'd be a lawyer or an engineer or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a doctor, you know, something that can make money or what, you know, like that was right, always yeah. this. And so I had this, I sort of had this weird thing where I didn't, this thing that I love to do, which was make, design, build, take apart, whatever. Mm-hmm. I just never felt like, okay, I could do this for a living. And so I kind of tried to have this backup brain. And then, yeah. I mean, it wasn't until I was, probably 30 something that I kind of looked back at my life and I took this, I just kind of assessed my jobs and what I do and have done. And I was like, wait, I am an artist. And I, I would, wouldn't have used that word, but I am an artist and that is what mm-hmm. I do. And at the time I was doing mostly design work, computer design work and video work programming. at the time. But even then I like realized this is art. This is what, you know, this is what fuels me. I love it. Yeah. It's okay. So it's still creative. It's still problem solving. You're, you know, yeah. Someone comes up with a concept and you're like, okay, I have to figure out how to turn this into something that actually exists in the world. Totally. Yeah. The problem solving is such a fun aspect of, of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I saw your Instagram profile says problem solver. I think that's the first thing it says. So, or does it? I don't even know. Yeah. yeah, probably. Yeah. Right. Um, so I mean, that's, really, that's what everything kind of comes down to, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is that's something that I believe in, and you know, and kind of connect all creative people um, from all these different aspects is problem solving. Yeah. When I was, uh, I, it, this, I hopefully this isn't too weird of a jump, but this was in my head when we were talking about the early years. Uh, but mm-hmm. it, it's something that I think really actually did sort of set me up for the my life, which is we had a take apart box. We had like this hall closet nice. and anytime there was something that was broken or basically headed for the trash, it went into the take apart box. And I, I, we probably had some fun name for it, but it was just stuff, junk. And some, some of it was electronics and some of it was just like uh, roller skates. I mean, it was like whatever, but it was, mm-hmm. and the, the, the destiny for those things was if you kids are bored or want something to do, grab a screwdriver and take something apart. And it was so great because you learn how stuff works when you take stuff apart. Yeah. Like, and, and what was really nice about that was there was no pressure of having to get it to go back together. Right. That's just a, right. It's already broken. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Take it apart. Oh, wow. That's really cool. You're done. Toss it. And it's done. And that was just a really cool thing. And I I still take stuff apart all the time. I take stuff, I, I get brand new things and I'll take it apart before I even use it. I always put it back together nowadays, but I love the inner workings and the how and the the how that how things work is so much 
more important to me than that they work. Like I love, <laughs> yeah. I love the how that they work. I don't know if that makes sense. No, I get it. Um, I think, yeah, there probably should be a class in school where they just give you a bunch of box of old VCRs and printers and stuff and oh, totally. <laughs> some screwdrivers. It's you know? great. And when there's no risk, you're willing yeah. to like try stuff. And that's, I don't know. I don't want to get on a soapbox about creativity, but. Right. No, do it. That's what this is about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that you like, got a speech. Okay. Well, I think that, that it's that risk of being wrong or failing or being told that it isn't what you think it is that is so stifling to kids. And so we're talking about taking stuff apart and the lack of risk, like there's no risk because you don't have to get it put back together is a really freeing thing. I think, you know, kids draw pictures naturally. Kids just do arti- what we would call artistic things when they're really little, right? And it's, it's like a blob and they say, this is grandma or whatever. And you can't really tell, but that they're outputting and they're creating and they're being creative because my opinion is that we are innately creative beings. Like that is just how we are designed. And what happens, I think, is that eventually you get older and you draw better or you do your creativeness better. And at some point, you, the kid draws a dinosaur and says, Mommy, look at this dinosaur. And Mommy goes, Oh, that's a beautiful dog. And it kills. You know, the kid is like crushed because it was a dinosaur. Right. And mm-hmm. it, she thought it was a dog. And instead of having like that, a good communication there or um, understanding that, that like those crushing moments can just stifle creativity and it can stifle yeah. it for the rest of your life. You know, people can be just become, you know, then they're like, I'm not creative. I can't draw. And they're 50 and they say, I can't do something, but it's probably not true. And it's probably because they either weren't encouraged or they were stifled on purpose or accidentally when they were little. And it like set them up for this, this, lie that you can't be creative but i think you can be creative i think everybody can be creative and it's the thing that you can practice and work on and flex i don't know yeah i like flex i like that yeah and again i think that's how um this online maker community developed right because you found out oh there's other people who can't stop trying to make things or figure things out um and you know, and again, some people rediscover it. Yeah, again, there could be 30, 40, 50, 60, you know, whatever, whatever age. Yeah. Um, and by seeing other people doing these things, you're like, oh, wait, you can just do that, right? Yeah. Um, All the time you, know, you hear about the guy who retires and he's like 70 and then he starts painting or something. You're like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I bet right. he wishes he did that 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah. And again, it's um, a lot of people say that. And again, I, I could certainly say something similar, but it's never too late, you know, to get started, you know, to try again, you know, to keep going. Um, yeah. And I think kids have, you know, are curious and every time that we give them an opportunity to try something and even to fail or to learn something from it, um, you know, it builds our confidence. So every time you learn a new skill, um, you can look back and see how that relates to other things you've learned. And the more that you do that, the more you just try to solve problems and figure things out. It seems to build this, this confidence, right? So the more, yep. once you get to like a certain critical mass of different weird skills, um, 
you just have confidence that you can figure anything out um, if totally. you just you know, apply yourself. A hundred percent. Yeah. People all the time. I do a lot of side work, side projects, and client, you know, somebody will be like, oh, can you make this? And it's something I've never seen or done before, but my answer is always yes. It's like, yeah, I can do that. I mean, mm-hmm. of course I can do that. I have no idea. You right. know, in my, the truth is I have absolutely no idea how to do that. And I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I am going to figure it out because I know I can, right? Like right. this confidence in yourself is, is pretty valuable. And it's not like a pridefulness. It's just like, I look at I look at problems not like walls but like hurdles and sometimes they're really huge hurdles that mm-hmm. look like a wall but there's always a top you can get over at some point and so right just it, you know with enough effort and applying yourself and doing hard work and get there and other people I'm learning that one you know other people are so helpful Oh great <laughs> <laughs> Yeah I mean I think that's if I didn't find if I just had been watching people making stuff and I didn't find other people that I could actually interact with at the same time. I don't know that, you know, if I wouldn't have just found it more as entertainment as opposed to, um, encouragement, you know, to try yeah. the things myself. Well, and so. I think that's, that's a big one too, that I, I know that I've struggled with and I, I see my kids struggle with it all, a lot, which is mm-hmm. they see someone who's good at a thing and they, they want to be good at that same thing. But then they try it and they suck at it because yeah. it's their first time. And then mm-hmm. they want to quit because they're not good at, you know, skateboarding or any, or even, you know, they, they right. do it with me all the time. You know, I want to learn to weld. And it's like, they try to weld and, and it's amazing for their first weld, but they think it's terrible because it doesn't look like mine. It doesn't look like someone who's a professional like, has been doing it for 20 I've years. I've been doing this forever. You have not been, this is the, you've done it for 10 minutes. Of course it's going to be yeah. terrible. It It should be terrible at first. Like, and then you learn from it and you keep going from it. And I think we can, I, as an adult, I can do that too. You know, I, I see a, mm-hmm. a, a knife maker or something. I've never made a knife officially. I've wanted to make a knife, but I see these amazing knives. And sometimes they're like the level of excellence of the output that I see kind of makes me hesitant to want to try, you know? I mean, right. I'm a little bit over that, but like, if I'm being honest with my feelings, those feelings are there. That's like, I know that my first hundred knives are not going to be anywhere near what I'm seeing output from these guys who've been doing it forever. Or whatever. Yeah, um, definitely. But, uh, and I think, yeah, that's probably one of the most valuable lessons we can teach someone. And I don't know if we can teach it to them, but we can offer them the opportunity to understand it is yeah, that everything is you're never going to be good at something the first time you try. And a lot of the interesting stuff you're going to learn is through that process, right? And the, totally. the learning process is as much fun as being at the top, you know, yep. which you're never going to get to, right? That's the other thing yeah. is to understand that even you see that person, you know, you look at their work and you're like, wow, that's, that's great. They figured it out. They're at the top of the game, you know, and it's like, never they're They, they didn't show you all the struggles and, you know, again, a million knives that they threw away because <laughs> yeah. they broke or they, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't get the results that they were looking for. And so they had to keep trying and trying again. And that no matter how great uh, someone's skills are that you see that they're still learning. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a constant process. evolution. There's not like an end point, you know? Right. Like I, I have a, a good friend here in town who is a muralist and he is, 
like hands down probably the best muralist i've ever seen anywhere i mean he travels the world he he flies around. he's been to more countries than anybody i know he goes all over the world and does these uh, gorgeous murals everywhere and then he comes home and then he paints in his free time and he paints and he is constantly he is the most prolific dude i know he's just constantly outputting and what's cool i've known him for about probably i don't know 12 or 13 years now and what's so cool to watch like to to see over over time is that he changes and and it's probably to him it's like all just upward growth to me it looks just like change like he's changing genres or something but Mm -hmm. I'm sure that what it is, is this like constant evolution of like trying to trying a new thing, trying a thing that's difficult for him and, and getting good at it, conquering it, nailing it, having the confidence. And now it's, now that is a new tool that's in my toolbox Mm -hmm. and I can continue to move on. It's not like you get to a point and you're done and you win. It's like you, you can keep going and totally. Sounds like it could be monotonous, but it's amazing to see, uh, you know, somebody like my buddy, Eric, it's just, it's amazing to see when I always, I already thought he was at the top and then he like continues to move the top higher, <laughs> you know, it's pretty cool. Of course. Yeah. And we just have to understand that, you know, all of us are, we're on our own journey, you know, and we're the best person to compare yourself to is to yourself. Like last week, Yeah, you know, and like, yeah. did, are you? you know, are you learning what you want to learn? And, you know, and again, yeah, maybe you only get to practice your whatever craft you're trying to learn once a week, once a month. So, you know, your journey is going to, you know, not going to progress the same amount. So, you know, someone who's, you know, you're practicing guitar, if you're a professional guitarist, you're going to practice eight hours a day, you know, but if you're a hobbyist, you might be practicing 20 minutes, you know, those 20 minutes, you can see progress, you know, if you keep, keep working at it. Yeah, so. that's a good way, good way to put it. Yeah, I, yeah. I think. So you said you. The mi- oh, go ahead. Was it the mindset of of creativity can can be practiced almost any time anywhere, but the actions are a little more limited. Yeah, got to work them around your job or your school yeah. or your other commitments. Sorry, I'm just thinking out loud. Certainly, I'm processing what you're saying. No, I, I like that. <clears throat> yeah, because I think that that's. It goes back to you said you you wanted to be an artist and I have like a all encompassing definition of artist, which is totally different than anybody else's. Um, no matter who I talk to, nobody agrees with me. But well, you know, they can agree with me conceptually, but you know, they almost everybody, you know, imagines artist, right? Is someone who, you know, produces work, um, you know, and it can go in a museum, right? You know, that's yeah. an artist. Yeah. Um they which is Mona Lisa and, and- yeah, right. And so, sure, that's a definition of artist, but it's super boring, right? Because yeah. it's not interesting. We, those are, there's dozens of those people and, you know, whatever, they're selling stuff for $100,000. You're selling a banana peel uh, taped to a wall oh for well, $250,000. Did, did you see my Christmas ornament a couple of years ago about that? I'll have to show you. Uh, I th- probably. The year that that happened. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm like ADB or something. I'm no, do it. <laughs> The year that that banana thing happened, um, so my wife and I have done for eh, probably fifteen ish years of our marriage. We've been we've done a like custom handmade, pretty special little ornament that we make for some close 
family and friends. So we make between 15 and 30 of these things every year. And we just make the same, we make multiples of one thing. Anyway, that mm-hmm. year, I was like, oh, man, we got we had, we had a particularly rough year and it was like, gosh, they freaking sell this banana for 20 grand. And anyway, so I made these, I made 30 little FEMO bananas that are the size of a dime, basically, like tiny little bananas. Mm-hmm. They were so adorable and like painted, hand painted all the little brown spots on them and stuff. And then made little duct, duct tape strips and basically took a matchbook a matchbox these really mm-hmm. cool matchbox and then like pre- treated the inside of the matchbox like this the the wall you know the um museum yeah. wall and had the banana taped mm-hmm. inside and then made had made something i made a stamp press thing that said like i don't remember what it said i could go grab one um something <laughs> about something about the banana and twenty thousand dollars and something funny about that year and like hand press stamp yeah. on all these matchbooks things so amazing that's like the ornament for that year and it was that silly banana anyway sorry you said something shiny and i said no no it. <laughs> i love it um <laughs> yeah my brain works that way too um yeah so what i was talking about my definition of artist is basically how you pay attention or you know the more you pay attention um the world that you have the mindset of an artist you know you like you said mindset of creativity so that kind of uh explain that to me yeah you know yeah and i think that well so i draw tons of inspiration from the world Mm -hmm. i think so i think creativity creativity and wonder are pretty closely linked in my mind i agree the more we wonder about things the well i think the happier we are but also the more curious we become and the more it's kind of one of those like the more you start to think about stuff like that, the more you know you don't know. I'm not sure. saying that well. And like, that's the okay. more you know, the more you know you don't know. You know what I mean? Like, right. And so I love to just wonder about stuff. I like to just and and practice it. Right. Like driving mm-hmm. down the road, and you're like, I don't know anything. You just the lines on the road. How long are they? I wonder how they decided how to make them this long and why their space like this. And just do a mental exercise and like wonder for a few minutes. Yeah. And that's it. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter. There's no consequence if you get it wrong. There's nothing. But that it, that, that practicing of wondering is wonderful. And nature, especially. Yeah. You know, how leaves mm-hmm. work and seashells and whatever. Like that's, I think wondering is absolutely fantastic. The I gateway totally, drug. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's right. That it is. It's a gateway drug to being, yeah, a creative person. And again, you know, like I said, it goes back to curiosity. The more you have that curiosity, you know, so that you're you're driven to learn new things. And the more that that works and you, you know, gain joy from that curiosity and that wonder, um, it reinforces itself. So, you know, it gives you the ability, you know, you know that you can again, you can learn something new someone asks you how to, you know, to do something, you're like, yeah, I can learn that because not only can I learn that now, I definitely want to learn how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I've fe- I almost have never met something I don't want to learn. It's just a time thing. Like, Oh yeah. There's you stuff I don't everything. know, obviously tons of stuff I don't know, but it's not because I don't want to know. It's just because I don't know it yet. <laughs> you don't know it yet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, and again, you said you wanted to be an artist when you were a kid. And I've looked at this from a couple of different ways. Um, there's so many people who, again, now they identify as a maker and they're not working as what most people would call an artist, right? You know, it's like right. your job necessarily isn't, no one would call your job artist, you know, but it feels like you're working in a similar manner to an artist. Yeah. Um, and so many people, I think, you know, they end up, they go to art school because they're like, well, if I want to be a creative weirdo, I have to go to art school because that's the only path mm. to being a creative person as a job, right? So you go to art school, then you go to art school and they don't work as an artist, but they end up somehow in some kind of creative career that is something they designed for themselves. Nobody else has the same job, mm. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> They've yeah. created the job, the situation just through all their experiences, right? Through that yeah. unique set of experiences, no, you know, nobody else can do the things that they do specifically, you know? So, the, and, you know, it sounds like, possibly you've done this a similar thing uh yeah i guess so i didn't <laughs> not on purpose it's well yeah no i think you're right i mean i i i did i did want to go to art school i did not get to go to art school i mm-hmm. um i still would like to go to art school i love school school is a thing that i i could do i mean i i've talked for a very long time about pirating an education i'm like okay so at a college oh, i like that you, you've got a pro- professor up there talking to a huge room of people he doesn't know who they are and doesn't even care who they are and he's giving all of this awesome information and i don't know people there's probably some like ethical problems with this but i'm like why not just walk in and sit down and be in the class like Mm -hmm. i don't have to no attendance no grading no nothing but it's a an opportunity to absorb information and learn a new thing from somebody who really knows what they're talking about yeah. and i'm not hurting anybody because i'm not like stealing someone's seat you know i'm not going to take sit down in a classroom that's already full you know what i'm saying anyway I, right I, yeah you're not I've taking a space that. You know, if i had not... more time like i would just go to the university here and just like find some classes i want to sit in on and just learn stuff because i just love it it's so great um yeah anyway as what i was getting at is i didn't go to art school i did i um started i have i have an associate's degree in fine arts so i did a little bit of art stuff but i was like putting off i was going to keep going Mm -hmm. um i was going to get a bachelor's and i was just going to keep going but i so kind of put off some of the funner stuff i was like i'll do that next year i got to get some of my core stuff out of the way and so i did a bunch of boring stuff and then i was like two years Mm -hmm. in and i was working full time and you know, got, I was married at the th- and just like life was real busy. And I was like, I don't yeah. think I can keep going right now. I'll have to put this on pause. So I just finished with my AA and then a whole smattering of other credits. And, you know, now it's been 20 years and I, I haven't done anything with any of that. But mm-hmm. um, that was kind of my like I wanted. I would have loved to have gone to like an actual art school, but I never did. I always kind of yeah. wish I had. But I don't totally, I don't right. regret that I didn't. I just wished I mm-hmm. had, sort of. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I did something similar. Well, I spent, I took off like 10 years, and then I went back to school for graphic design because it seemed mm. like, oh, I can get a job doing that. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, totally. And did you get a job doing that? No, never. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I did get a job doing so, that. Oh, that's good. I'm glad you <laughs> but did. But I, um, I wish I went to school for that too. Sorry, no, go ahead. I'm, yeah, for I'm sure. interrupting you. 
That's no, okay. But uh, the thing, uh, what I remember from that experience is was just having access to people, you know, who had a similar mindset, right? So, yeah. you know, have access to professors, having access to, you know, tools and just things that I, I wasn't aware that, um, you know, you could have or whatever. Right. So, yeah. Um, well, I took a printmaking class and, Oh, cool. Yeah. You know, yeah. So I did like, we did block printing, like wood block printing. We did some kind of something with the metal, some kind of metal engraving, um, you know, lino cut printing. Um, and we did, I remember we did the wood cut printing, probably the lino cut printing too. And the teacher had like a book press. And so that's how we press those prints. Yeah. And so for like 30 years or maybe whatever, 25 years or something, um, I was like, Oh, I need to get a book press. Um, <laughs> so I could do that. <laughs> um, and eventually, um, watch, be from watching a bunch of YouTube videos and stuff. Um, I was like, yeah, I definitely do want to go get a book press. And I found one on Craigslist. Um, you know, so I, then I started doing that again, but I didn't do anything in between because again, it was this weird, this guy, no one was paying me to do that. I was doing computer programming or doing whatever. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, but it's just, yeah, good. having the access and seeing people doing these things and yeah. being able to, you know, have access to the other students, right? So they're yep. everybody's inspiring each other just by being in that space and that environment. Yeah. So yeah, I grew up with my parents. My dad was always like, "Go to school, get a good education, get a job you love." That was like, it was it was mm-hmm. he constantly was pushing right. to go to college, go to college, go to college. Mm-hmm. I think some of that was like he didn't go to college and kind of regretted it. Like, yeah, he was he's literally a brilliant, brilliant guy, like an engineer, like smartest guy i know Mm -hmm. but didn't go to college and so i kind of just thought that's what you have to do and so i had a little bit of this like oh crap i've failed because i didn't finish even a bachelor's degree um Mm -hmm. but i've since you know i'm 42 now i'm not like old but i've got a little bit of experience under my belt and i've learned very much that i am not going to push the college thing with my kids I'm going to very much encourage yeah. them to. I, I absolutely would love them to go right. to college. Right, it's an option. It would, be, yeah. it would be awesome for them to go to college. But I don't want them to feel like they failed if they didn't. Um, mm-hmm. And I do think, like, kind of like what you're saying, one of the things that college offers is just an exposure to things that you wouldn't be exposed to already. Mm-hmm. The book press, right? Like, if you didn't yeah. know it existed, you don't know to look for it, <laughs> you know? And it's not going right. to be a thing in your head that that's a goal that's just, you know, simmering on the back burner for 10 years, it's going to be nothing. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like those experiences I think are super valuable. So I think college is a good way to get those experiences, but also just being interested in stuff is a good way to get those experiences too. ask people questions, go to art shows, you know, 100% be curious again, you know, be curious and you can learn a lot of cool stuff and everything's a rabbit hole, you know, you're like, Oh, I want to welding is kind of neat. And then you're like, Oh, there's MIG welding and TIG welding, and there's, you know, get you know, oxyacetylene welding, and it just like goes on and on and on. You can just an endless rabbit hole, and everything is that way, right? Printing is that way, everything's that yes. way. There's all this cool stuff mm-hmm. you can learn. So I think if right. you give yourself permission to follow those rabbit holes, sometimes it'd be pretty fulfilling. Yeah, permission is a great subject, and that's uh, um, one of my friends, uh, Tom from infinite craftsman that's what he always oh, says yeah. he's like he just he'll just walk up to people and be like yo you know you you said you were on his podcast but yeah he's will walk up to people and be like yeah you have permission it doesn't even matter what it was for he's like yeah <laughs> and 
And that goes back to the same thing, like right, like with the bandsaw. I saw Jimmy Duresta cutting something on a bandsaw, and I was like, oh, yeah, you can get a bandsaw. So then after I saw that video, I was on a mission to go find a bandsaw. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and now I have a wood shop, you know, which I don't necessarily use every day, but I have, it just expanded my capabilities, right? Yep. So now I was like, oh, it's if like I a- have an idea, the thing is there. Yeah. And maybe you don't have room for all that tools, but there's find like you said, like your next door neighbor, he has that shop. So yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't have, I have no room where I live. Like I right. share a tiny garage with mm-hmm. other people and like, I got nothing. Like I have a few square yeah. feet of, I mean, it's almost nothing. And I have tools. I have mm-hmm. a lot of tools. And that's part of the problem is that they're all stacked up and cluttered in there because I don't have the right. space, but yeah. you don't have to have the space to, to like learn and be interested and try and, no, you have, to, yeah, it's again, <laughs> right. And so if you don't go to college, you still, you want to find other interesting people or interested people, people who are also interested in learning things. Yeah. Because, um, then you can feed off each other, whether or not it's in college or, you know, your local totally. community and makerspace, um, whatever. Yeah. Like you said, go to the art gallery. You're going to find other people who are interested in seeing new things too. Yep. Yeah. We have a makerspace here in town called the generator. And it was the first one I'd heard of. I didn't even know there were makerspaces. Yeah. And then right. this, I heard about this thing. And um, where I live in Reno, so Burning Man happens just basically in the desert north of here, not right. too far, a couple hours north. And so Reno is really the the the, the closest big city mm-hmm. to to where Burning Man actually happens. And so there's, there's actually a, an interesting need for some of that amazing giant art that people build to kind of have a staging spot or a place to be right. built or pre-built, you know, before it goes out to the mm-hmm. desert. And so yeah. there's been this kind of interesting need and a lot, a lot of ways that it's being filled in this city, but it's cool because Reno is in this special spot for that. And so, um, a bunch of years ago, the, the generator started, that's what they call it. And it was 30,000 square foot warehouse. And it was basically mm-hmm. like artist workspace and stuff. And it's, it's yeah. like that kind of melting pot of, people like you go in there and there are some weird people in there like crazy <laughs> people you know like i would have my wife walk on the other side of me if i was passing them like weird people but then you stop and you get to know them and you start talking to them and you see what they're making and and you're like this is amazing like just right. all of the minds all the different human minds together can do so much more than one mind can accomplish on its own it's awesome so the, I, yeah, yeah totally. spaces are great. I, I've not been a part of like official ones, but I've been a part of the generator and it's pretty amazing. Oh, that's great. Uh, that leads me to, into probably my last topic. We'll <laughs> kind of explore is, you know, the online maker community, because not everybody has access to a makerspace or you know, even. And one thing that I found is, of course, a lot of the local people who are makers around here, I found online. Like I've never found them by just oh, hanging wow. out, but, uh, you know, if I find them, I'll, you know, go online or I'll go to a different city and then I'll meet people who are from my, you know, local area. Yeah. <laughs> at some sort of event. Um, and I was trying to, I usually try to figure out like, Oh, where did I find this person who I'm <laughs> talking to now? Yeah. Um, how did I find them originally? And probably, probably I found you from May for makers. I think. Oh, okay, cool. I know yeah, I was uh, wondering that. Actually, I was going to ask. Participated in some I'm of that. You brought it up. Yeah, yeah. So okay. there, there you go. So that's a you know that's one way that people can find other makers is you know 
some of these online kind of challenge things yeah um where you just share information about yourself um but i'm curious like what made you decide to kind of share some stuff that you're working on online ah that's a good question um I am a little bit of a hermit. Um, I am, I don't know if it's obvious or not, but I'm pretty introverted. And social settings drain me, mm -hmm. you know, some of them. I'm, I'm, and, I, and I should say I'm recovering. I'm a recovering introvert. I don't know. Like, I, like I, feel like I feel like that's something that I have been working for the last 10 or 15 years to kind of grow in and be better at because I see so much value in not, you know, not just being in my own world all the time, mm -hmm. value in talking with other people and meeting people and having relationships. And so I think that for me, well, let me, okay. So that's one, that's one truth. And now another thing is I, I legitimately, honestly, enjoy most of the things that i do and make i i call myself an enjoyer so my wife is is not an enjoyer necessarily she's actually learning to be an enjoyer but like i'm an enjoyer mm -hmm. like i love everything you're like oh here's right. this thing and i'm like oh that's amazing that's so cool and i'm into it right like i just right. I enjoy it all and so mm -hmm. i enjoy all the stuff i do and i really like it and i want other people to get that same little endorphin hit and I don't know that they will or not. And I don't have the guts to like actually talk with people. And so I think it was kind of like a easy, uh, well, I can just post this risk-free. And if right. somebody, you know, if one of my four friends actually cares and wants to look at it, they can look at it and that's fine. Mm -hmm. And they don't have to talk to me about it. They don't have to like it. They don't have to follow me. They don't have to do anything, but like I can at least make this bit of, bit of the world that made me happy i can just put it out there and let it be for hopefully it can make someone else happy too was sort of how it started for me um i don't know if that works or not but i still would like to think that that's sort of the you know i don't i'm not i don't produce stuff to like for numbers or anything else i i make stuff no. because i like it <laughs> you know mm -hmm. i like it i was in a band forever and we used to talk about like you, you know I, I am the first to admit we probably weren't the best band ever i think we were pretty good but we weren't amazing amazing but we loved what we did like we made our music right. because we loved to play our music and if literally nobody showed up to the show that took a little bit of an ego hit but it was still okay and we'd still play because right. we loved playing like that's what we loved to do and we did yeah. I and mean, we, we played to a single drunk guy in a bar once in California and it was amazing. <laughs> we a crazy experience, but it's because it was, I wasn't doing it for accolades. We were doing it just for ourselves. And so right. I, I kind of have that approach to my Instagram stuff is like, I like to share stuff and I like to learn stuff. I really like to learn stuff. And so sometimes I like to post like things that I do little tips and tricks because I think they're cool. I'm like, this makes my life easier every day. And so I'll post it, that kind of stuff. I feel like I'm rambling to answer your question. I don't really know exactly how it started except for that stuff. And now I'm just kind mm -hmm. of in it and 
it's funny. I was looking at my phone the other day. I shoot content for Instagram all the time, and I almost never post it. I mean, I okay. have, <laughs> I probably post 2% of what I shoot, which is ridiculous. And it's not a self-curation thing. It's not like, oh, it's not good right. enough. That is not what's going on. It's just that I forget. Um, yeah. I get distracted. I move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's like, oh, I'll po- I w- I'm shooting something that I'm making, and I want to I show the final version. And so I will wait until I can get a final. Right. But by then I've either forgotten or I don't ever get to see the final sometimes or, you know, whatever the case may be. And so I'm, I'm trying to get better at that of like, it doesn't matter. Like there's nobody who cares. Nobody is judging me. No. If I'm really doing it for the reasons that I'm saying I'm doing it, I should just post this stuff because it does make me happy. Yeah. You know? Right. So anyway, I don't really know. I love that. How you want to take that answer. But... No, I, I like that. Cause it's totally different. And you know, and we could, you know, probably talk just about this topic for you know hours and hours um maybe someday we'll get the opportunity to do that but <laughs> yeah i'd love to so uh, this one-on-one yeah. stuff is easy for me i can i can talk one-on-one forever obviously right mm-hmm. it's the social yeah. the big social groups that right yeah and i think instagram does that right because you're you know you know you can communicate with people you can share with people and you can control the environment yeah. right you can turn it off totally. you can throw your phone away you can yeah you know so you can you can control exactly how much you want so maybe that's you know that's a great uh opportunity for introverts and i think probably is why a lot of uh <laughs> similar people are totally. you know connecting this way and it's a great resource and i think you've alluded to it and i know you've said similar things in the past of like the maker community at least online at least on instagram at least that's mm-hmm. about the only place i can confidently speak about um they're just they're they're giving and sharing and generous and yeah. they want to help. Most of them want to help. And there are a mm-hmm. few people that don't. And I've definitely yeah. encountered that where I'll like ask somebody a question and I get a total a-hole response. And I'm like, well, you just lost all of my respect. I don't know. Right. Like you're still good at what you do, but I don't respect you at all anymore. Like I'm yeah. not gonna, ever going to suggest you to somebody. I'm like, whatever, you're great at that. Go ahead. <laughs> but mm-hmm. for the most yeah. part, Everybody is like so encouraging and caring. And, you know, I've been able to get answers to questions that I don't know. And I've been able to answer other people's questions. I always, always try to answer. Like if somebody asks me a question or says something, comments on a post or anything, I always try to give them an honest, like heartfelt, intentional response. Never just like, sure. I don't, I don't blow people off. Yeah, the offers out there. If yeah, anybody I, wants to know anything about me, I'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, um, that's great, and I really appreciate you uh, <laughs> you taking the time for that. I know you know you, some people obviously get a lot more questions, a lot more responses, and a lot of times, you know, if it's someone who's you know, I look at their thing and I know that they're way busier than me, especially you know, and they ha- are getting a lot more demands for their time and attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's probably you know, it's better if you're that busy probably best better to not respond if you, yeah, <laughs> if you can. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I'm sure you know, I think, is. I think a lot of people do end up doing that, right. Cause they know like, Hey, I can't answer. There's too many. Yeah. hundred um, percent. You, 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 know, you message Jimmy Duresta and the chances yeah. of you getting him to respond are, are pretty slim, but it's not because no, but if he does, because he's you will get a hella busy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Like, right. If you do get a response though, it'll definitely, it'll, he'll take his time. You know, he oh, yeah, yeah. he's not, he's not real wordy. Um, but yeah, <laughs> No, absolutely. You know, you'll get a hard, hellfire response from him. 
For sure. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Like he's in that same camp. He he will give you yeah. honest, good answers, as will anybody else, I think, for the most part. Awesome. Yeah, so I definitely appreciate you taking the time today and I appreciate, you know, when you do get a chance to share things. Um, you know, I always, you know, I love seeing all your work because you're you can tell that you're you know, you're excited about it and you definitely enjoy what you're doing. I love it. Well thank you. So cool. All right. And uh, where can people uh, check out what you are doing online? On Instagram, my current handle is pillage then burn, which is one of the, you know, you silly thing you do when you're a teenager and then it just sticks with you forever. But it is important (laughs) that you got to pillage and then burn. You do have to do it in the right order. Yeah. Yeah. Order matters. I started that when I was a programmer and I was like nerding out about the order of things. (laughs) <laughs> i love it order order matters awesome anyway, that's what it is right now um rail and oak is my like side business rail and oak and i don't i right. don't really have a website but i have an etsy and stuff and i sell things cool I commission all right well I'll, all that awesome well, i'll share links to uh, all those things and i do want to take a moment just to thank uh my patrons over on patreon uh especially my top tier patrons uh matt from artisano serio Ed Johns, John Beckner, and Brian Callahan. If you also want to support the show and get access to the after show, you can go to patreon.com slash making problems to solve. You can always uh, leave a review for the show or share the show with a friend. Uh, If you want to follow the show on Instagram, it's on Instagram at making problems to solve. And I'm on Instagram at Dave Bauer art. Uh, Thanks a lot for talking to me today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.